G'day everyone, welcome to Porsche Talk Podcast. I'm Mark from the YouTube channel, Mark and Cars. And I'm your co-host, Ajmal, from the YouTube channel, Flat Cap Driver. Each week, we'll be talking about our world, our favourite thing, Porsche cars and lifestyle. We will try to get the occasional guests in to try and give this show some Porsche credibility. So strap in, enjoy the show, and if you've got any thoughts, inspiration, anything at all, send it through to us, and thank you for listening. Am I allowed to talk about my aches and pains after playing football yesterday? Keep for sure. <laughs> Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? I hated that you're a satin blazing sunshine. <laughs> well, it's the blazing sunshine. Let me just show you what it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's very Instagram. G'day, Lara. I'm Mark. How are you? I got it. Hi, how are you? I, I got over looking at myself in Zooms and I was like, all right, I'm going to invest in this uh, beautiful light that makes me ever so perfect. Well, I just today have set up this stuff. I, I saw that. Because <laughs> I was always doing it off my phone and then I would move and I'd plang the cable and it'd go flying. I've got a lamp up there. So this is this is about high tech as I get. And, and a computer, I got myself a laptop. I saw your lighting and it looks good, but now it's getting darker. So you need a ring light. That's your next step. Ring light. I do. And it's very, he right now he looks very, you know, avant-garde. It's really nice, but it's going to get dark. (laughs) It's great to have you on. Thank you for agreeing to come on. And, and we're across three continents, time zones. That's the coolest thing. I'm glad that um, when you invited me, I was kind of like, that's kind of different. I'll do this. And then I saw that you was like your second podcast. I'm like, I'm all in. Because <laughs> yes. Mark is coming to us from the future. I am. Oh, yes. Isn't he Australian? Actually, I am Australian. Yeah, he's in Perth. It's tomorrow there for us. Wow. It's tomorrow. How that is was... it over there? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it good? Everything's over? COVID's gone? Everything's good, right? Here in Australia? <laughs> yeah. I'm just, oh. I'm just saying in the future. You're in the future. In so. the future. Yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> We're actually... You know, as a, we've been closed would be the best way to describe it. Closed for business in Western Australia. Western Australia is very much its own entity compared to the East Coast of Australia. If, have you been to Australia before, Lara? Yes, and I love it. I, yeah. I was, when I was there, I said I could live here. I, you know, you kind of look at it on the map like an island, but it's, it's like America years ago. You know, just Great less to people, it. beautiful. Yeah, just, you know. Racism. You know, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you said years ago, I thought the same thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'll let hang on. my wife's just making me breakfast. Okay. <laughs> so, no, not oh, really. really. That's how the years ago it was. Now, the, oh, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> the, tell us about your story, Lara. What's, you know, we've done a little bit of research, obviously, like we do with any guest that comes on. Yeah, I mean, I've told my story so many times and I hope I don't bore any listeners, but um, just basically, I've always loved cars uh, from five years old until present day. I loved them. And my mom used to let me shift her car when she was putting her makeup on. (laughs) And so I saw a multitasking mom in the car. She seemed very relaxed. She's not so relaxed anymore, but Um, For me, it was, uh, we drove a lot and we um, did a lot of road trips and she would throw the wheel to me and I would be five and steering and shifting and, um, you know, so I just, 
I, you don't know where you get it. You just have it or you don't. You And I was just talking to another girl at a car show the other day and she said she doesn't know where it started because no one in her family loves cars. Uh, my dad had built his first car, so that uh, maybe impressed on me, um, which means that no guy can ever date me unless they can turn a wrench. But I just feel like, <laughs> not me, but they need to be able to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, question actually before we that was going to be my question to you do you wrench not really I, I i really like to get in a car and go i i'm not I, I i love the girls that just get their fingers dirty and and get in there but when something breaks down my head is underneath the car from when i was 16 and i had my first car i'm like explain it to me i want to see what why you're charging me this much <laughs> so um I had a situation one time, um, this is like a typical girl situation. I, I had a rabbit uh, convertible, of course. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was my one of my first cars, uh, it was my second car. And I, w I went to put the clutch in. Oh no, this, is, this was my boyfriend's car actually. I went to put the clutch in, it was a rabbit as well. Put the clutch in, fell to the floor, and I was like, it's the clutch cable. It just made sense to me that it was a clutch cable. And he's, and so I drove it into the, in second gear into the nearest, uh, you know, mechanic shop. And the guy said, oh no, it's not the clutch cable. Let me show you the clutch cable. So, and I wanted to see it cause I'm like, I call bullshit, you know? <laughs> so he's showing me the whole, it's all intact. It's all good. And then he's pulling the thing and I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, it's, it's, it's attached. So it ended up being the little plastic piece that goes from the fire to, you know, in the firewall yep. to the clutch. And it was like a $3 part, but we spent $16 on the new clutch cable. And so I learned something that day, not to trust anyone for one. <laughs> and it just. <laughs> great life, great life lesson. I'll never trust anyone ever again because of my $3 clutch cable part. Yeah, I mean, he wanted to charge me $400. I started crying because we were supposed to take a trip. And uh, he said, he said, well, I, I go, I have like $180 to my name. And he goes, I might be able to do it for $150. And I was like, okay, he's trying to be a nice guy. And then when my boyfriend saw it, he's like, this asshole, you know, like he totally took me for a ride. And he told me, he goes, get in the car, drive it home in second gear. So everyone's honking at me. And I got home and he, he's like, this guy's a jerk, you know? So we were on the road after that, so. <laughs> we, get, we get that kind of thing over here. And it's, it's actually quite scary how in this day and age, it's still the experience of most women. Going is it to still car. a thing? It is. Do you think it's still a thing, Laura? Yes. Oh yes. Oh yes. I just posted a, a, a video of a girl who, uh, was driving a GT2 RS and I was like, here yeah, they cool. come. They're, they're going to start talking because she's young and all this. And and for all I know, it is her dad's car, but why are we talking about it? Because if it was a boy driving it, we wouldn't be talking about whether or not, you know, he, they would just assume he was a, a young star or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, or an inheritee, regardless of, uh, of uh, sex, let's face it. Yeah. And I'm like, well, she drove it like a boss. So get over it. You know, and she's learning really early in a, you know, 700 or 900 horsepower, whatever it is, car. And uh, good for her. She's, <laughs> you're paying payments on your car and she gets to drive one for free. So whatever, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it, you can't get mad at it, you know, and it, it, and, 
and it's maybe it's not her car but she she has a passion for it and that's all that matters and and i find that even with me the everyone's like oh you drive so fast i'm like no i don't i, don't, I really don't drive very fast i'm very good driver i'm not the fastest driver and i want to learn to go faster but i don't even really want to race so but i'm an enthusiast and i have always been an enthusiast and i've had actually you know obviously porsche brand has been my number one for basically my entire life um but uh I, I i don't see why we have to compare you know i you know i've driven with johnny lieberman he's like a bat out of hell i've driven with fasim wasif he's a bat out of hell i don't drive like them and and that's okay we're just different you know and um and i respect them and i hope they respect my passion for the cars and they seem to we have a good relationship but you know it doesn't have to be one thing or another and i don't have to like your car more than my car or get jealous of it if you love your you know Datsun you know which actually are kind of cool they're coming back and they're pretty cool um <laughs> yeah. so but my my uh uh I forget what I was gonna say the you know just because that's not my kind of car I respect it I never want to hate on something because it's not my style or yeah, whatever yeah. you know mm -hmm. so. to that to that end but I didn't really want to talk too much about the girl part of that Porsche girl. You know, the fact that, you know, that because you're a woman, um, you have a different, um, I guess, uh, people look at you differently. I'm more interested in the that Porsche part for you, where your enthusiasm for the brand, that type of thing. And mm -hmm. look, other than the fact that yourself and a few trailblazing women highlight the you know, the Porsche ownership experience from a female's point of view, which that mm. is interesting. The fact that it has to, you know, that it, it, that itself is a thing is, a you know, really a bit of a, a failure of society to a degree where we are in 2022, let's face it. But as a father of a daughter, as is Hajmal, the, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, even a little bit exciting for us knowing that it will be less of a thing in the future. Hence my interest in you mentioning or me asking you, is that still a thing, you know, with a woman, you know, walking in ditzy with my car isn't working type thing and a mechanic going, well, let me fix it up for you, sweetheart. You know, it'll only yes. be $400. The fact that that even happens still in this day and age with the market, the way it is. And I'm baffled, you know, that that, that, that actually is still a thing. I thought that would have been something that finished 10, 15, 20 years ago, but clearly not from... Yeah, you know. I'll, actually, I've, I've got a bit of a confession, uh, Lara, because I wanted, really wanted to get you on, mostly because of the fact that I'm a father to two daughters and their future is going to have things like social media in from the word dot. And they're going to have to deal with these things. And some of the experiences that you've had, because you've put a lot of stuff out there on social media, but yours... Is more of your interest driven so you know on the account that is that Porsche girl you put a lot of stuff on it's not really about you it's about your passion for Porsche and uh, I especially love all the, the 911 specific stuff that you put on there but I sometimes look at the comments that yeah. you, those posts generate and admittedly a lot of them are positive and even some of the ones that are positive and it might be oh it's a it's a girl or it's a woman posting this stuff and driving a 911 to me that's almost unconscious bias whereas yeah. 
you know, we're, we're so evolved, we, we like to think that we are, but you'd think that's not coming into it, but it does. And I see some of my other friends who post things and, and they look at, and especially when you've posted things where there's a photo of you within the, the post. And I look at the comments and I, and because to me, it's always about the state of the world. And do you find that there, there is always some undertone or something always comes up that you just think we haven't evolved that much? Yeah, I do. And I think that it's, it's changing. And I, I love when even young boys have come up to me. I was working at, or working, I was at a, um, at a car thing and a, a guy was working there. He was young, maybe 20 year old. And he was working the burritos, you know, and he came running up over to me. He goes, you're that Porsche girl, right? And I said, yeah. He goes, oh, I follow you and I love your car. And he was just so nice. And the younger set seems to be accepting of it because they're used to women being in the workplace. They're used to women doing cool things and um, being uh, bosses and whatever. And I came up in the day and age when it wasn't so often that the moms were out in the workplace. They were half and half, you know, it wasn't completely one way or the other. So I'm not that old, but um, you know, even, when I was pulling into a, a car show on the weekend, a guy said, um, sweetheart, are you okay with backing up? And I was like, I go, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, oh, okay, all right, then you're gonna have to back up. Uh, and I was like, okay, big daddy, you know, like what? <laughs> well, this you know, kind just, of takes us, takes us nicely to the whole precision driving thing. Yeah. Uh, and I know you've talked a lot about this and a lot of people, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, who's listening right now, you've probably been living in a cave. Um, it's, <laughs> but the precision driving thing, it's everybody seems to think it borders onto, um, onto stunt driving, but it's more of a, you're there to demonstrate the actor in their role being a confident driver more than anything, I guess. Is that, would that be right? No, and it's funny because, um, well, yes, sort of, but um, uh, it's funny because people are very confused by the words. And as a matter of fact, one of my boyfriend's friends said, what's this? So she's a precision driver. And I'm like, <laughs> what? First of all, what kind of question is that? Just like maybe ask the question, but you know, like what you just did, but you know, and I understand it's not a, a typical term. I live near Hollywood. I used to live in Hollywood um, and uh, I worked almost every day for seven years. So it's been a while since I've been uh, working daily and doing all those types of things. But um, I doubled actresses. Um, and a lot of times it's avoiding an accident or have a child in the car or I'm di driving a stick shift and you know people don't know how to drive stick shifts. So that's great. <laughs> that's the easiest one. I'm like, I can do that. Um, and so, you know, uh, sometimes it's avoiding a small accident. It's just kind of getting around a, an obstacle, stopping on a dime resetting to one really quickly because a lot of people are not very confident in a car or a box truck or whatever they want to give you for the scene and why I got into it was the the stunt coordinator on a movie I was working on uh, for he's Eddie Murphy's stunt devil and he said you know there's not a lot of women who are very this is sounds terrible too but this was a long time ago uh, <laughs> that are <laughs> that are feminine in this field because it, it and I understand that because uh, I, I understand that, and I like that we have our, I kind of, this is gonna, I'm gonna get so many tweets, but I kind of like the gender roles. I, I, I'm like, take out the trash to my boyfriend and then I will go to the grocery store. You know, I'm, I'm good with that because I don't want to take out the trash, you know, and there's some things that, um, you know, his drive for success and money is 
different than mine. I have a drive for that, but it's not like the way he does things is just a little different. We are male and female. We are different and that's okay. And we should celebrate those differences. But a lot of the women who are into car scene and, and this, this is changing, or a lot of the women that were into the car scene or doing stunts were more masculine kind of, um, really tough girls that could do some crazy, you know, stuff that maybe I won't even do, you know, but I, out of the gate, I was a very confident driver. And I think that because I was a confident driver, uh, it came easy to me. So, oh, you want me to drive that box truck? I've never driven a box truck. Let me see what I can do, you know, and, and, and you have to just drive with that confidence. And, and I don't think you can buy that, you know, you can't, learn that so much you kind of have to have it because everything is a new experience and even sometimes I get nervous I'm like oh, okay what's this going to be and you get in you're like that's just like any other car and I had one guy telling me he's like the clutch is really scary I mean and it was on a GT4 and I was like I got in I'm like okay and I, I was like oh you're just not used to driving manuals because <laughs> it was not scary at all and it was really easy it was like the easiest clutch ever and if did you, you can say drive GT4 my car, then Laura did you say GT4 uh, was it a GT4? Oh, no, 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 no. It was a, um, oh, shit. It was a, it was a Cayman R. Okay. It wasn't a GT4. Uh, it was a Cayman R. And but, it was a- Both cars have got lovely clutches, by the way. Yeah, yeah they're very <laughs> nice. It's a balance of perfect lovely, Super lovely clutch. I was, yeah. I was waiting for it to just, I don't know, bite my foot or something. I was, mm. I didn't understand what he was talking about, but, but he wasn't comfortable with driving a stick and it was his car and he had just gotten it. So, but he's now he's really comfortable with that, but you know, just because he just didn't normally drive a stick. And, yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. So, so talk about driving stick. Now, you've got a 1969 911T, yes. a gorgeous 911T. And the thing in uh, the US is everyone customizes their car slightly. So yours is dechromed, for example. Yes. Um, well, it's funny because it's more accepted now. And I've actually interviewed Rod Emery, who is, you know, the ultimate outlaw of cars. Um, and 356s mostly, but he was never accepted in any concourse events. They had to park outside because their cars were not pure. And yep. even when we got the car, it's Irish green, and we were discussing the color. And I said, I want a gray green, which it's not. <laughs> um, I want a gray <laughs> green uh, that I had seen on a 356. It was like, a, I can't even, I, I have a picture of it, but it ended up being not a gray green. It was kind of the similar color of our car, but uh, in the dark. So, and then when I found the picture, it was so weird because it was really very close to the color we have, um, which we mixed. So my boyfriend is a colorist actually for comic books, but. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it has nothing to do with mixing car color, but he's good with color. So he was mixing, 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 and he came home with this color. And I was like, hard no. <laughs> it's, <laughs> but when you put the black accents on it, it looked great. But the conversation was, do we keep it Irish green? We were kind of disappointed because we thought it was going to be silver and we could just be like, you know, nice boring silver car. But I was like, we have to drive it. We have to love it. This, this is our passion project. And, you know, it's okay to be different, you know? And, and what I'm learning, especially in California, it really, you personalize your cars to, to suit your needs and, um, and, and what you love. And, and people are, even like uh, bring a trailer, there was a car that didn't have matching numbers and didn't all that, and it went for higher than one that had matching numbers the other day. And so it's interesting that people aren't so stuck on that. And um, and as we've seen with Rod Emery, his success is, speaks yeah. for itself. Yeah, he's, he's at a whole different level when it comes to customizing 
Porsches, yeah. you know, particularly 356s. The um that original color, that um gray green color, is that that um fish gray or something that they call that color? Do you recall from that three? I didn't I didn't know what it was. I just took a picture of it in the night. Um mm. I've been doing this for years. I mean that yeah. the picture I took was probably 15 years ago. Yeah, okay. And I just had it in my mind that I wanted that that color on a car. And it, it was, you know, a 356 Speedster, beautiful, yeah, shiny, yeah. and it was matte. It wasn't like uh, metallic or any of that. So I really- Oh, so more like an acrylic finish type thing. Creamy, yeah. I just wanted a creamy, nice green. And it ended up being that, but, you know, as, as we were mixing, it was gray, green can turn to muddy brown. <laughs> so uh, it ended up being green and we were, we were deciding, well, what color is it? You know, because it's our own mix, but- and my boyfriend had mixed it. So I said, it's Lee Green because his name is Lee. Yeah, okay. And I said, you're an actual colorist. So why not go with it and be, you know, a color guy? And now even Porsche has reached out to me and said, oh, there's some people who want to do their car in your color. Can we get the color code? So <laughs> yeah, PTS Lara. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> PTS oh, I, love, I love it. And it's it's kind of very much associated with you, that look of the car, the stance, the the, the color combination with the with the black accents. Because um, yeah, I've got an old 1966 912, mm -hmm. and it's not, in fact, it's slightly terrifying to drive because obviously it's over in the UK, it's left-hand drive, there's no seatbelts, it's got the dog leg first, and I live in sort of slightly rural, so you can't overtake buses or cyclists or anything because you can't see because yeah. you're on the wrong side of the car. And, but the fact is, it's people forget that it's not about, like you say, it's not about driving fast. It's about mm -hmm. the noise, the, the, the chaos, the, the danger element. I don't know. It's, it's something. And it's some personality that the car has. And you drive it and you think, that's a personality that I want to experience all the time. And I, I, kind, of, I kind of get that. And, I, and which is why I think when, when it comes to your, you doing your precision driving, and if you drive around every day in a 911T and that's your daily driver with the, the way the steering is, the way the gears are, the clutch, the pedals, the pedals coming out the floor, all of that stuff, anything else is kind of, it's always going to be kind of easier, isn't it? <laughs> It's so true. I was saying that. I said to my boyfriend, I said, uh, I need, we have a friend who has a collection. I'm like, I need to have a, a day with the collection because I, I, you know, and he goes, you drive the hardest cars. <laughs> He's like, I've driven them all. They're, you're fine. And I was like, I know, I just want to make sure because I'm going to be doing a lot of driving for um, a museum actually coming up. But um, so I was like, yeah, you're right. Actually, nothing is, nothing is too daunting um, once you've driven a 911T that grinds here and there and the nine, the 930 that, you know, you have to clutch in and clutch out to get it into first. But, um, but that's the same thing with the 930. People come up and they want to race me and I've done that. I've done it off the line, but people are like, oh, so you're fast on the straight. It's like, well, yeah, because I don't want to take a turn in a Widowmaker. <laughs> I don't want to go kicking it sideways because I don't consider myself a race car driver. And I do want to learn to, I mean, I could do donuts and that kind of stuff, but that's so easy. And, you know, coming into a corner and really sliding the back end, you know, I mean, respect, you know, I don't, I don't, I, uh, I don't want to do it in the Widowmaker. <laughs> and, and, on, and on the public roads, it's because certainly over here, you, you just couldn't do it. There's no room for error. If you clipped a curb, if you went near uh, one of the white lines and it was, it was raining, that's it. You've, you've, you're going backwards through a hedge or, or hitting a hitting a wall and you know I've yeah. my day-to-day -day driver is a 
1998, 996. And it's, it's like, super crusty and you know I bought it as the cheapest one in the UK and I use it every day and it's disgusting but everywhere I go van drivers won the race yeah and all I can think is I am not going to get myself killed on the road racing a van yeah (laughs) because they want to overtake you they want to slow you down they want to do all this stuff and you just most of the time it's like I've got my three-year-old daughter in the car with me get lost (laughs) yeah I it's funny because I get all the hellcats and the uh, which could probably kick my ass, uh, you know, the Mustangs and the Camaros, you know, they come up and they rev their engine because my engine is beautiful, the note, you know, and that's what I love. I love hearing it. I love fits and starts and spurts and really feeling that kick back when it goes. I don't need to be the fastest girl in a, in a 50-year-old car. You know? <laughs> no, I agree a- completely. Completely, because the Porsche thing, I mean, think about the newer Porsches. They're like for 500 brake horsepower, I think the GT3 is, and they could go way beyond that. Porsche as a brand mm-hmm. could go over. By the way, you're in a safe space. You're allowed to say Porsche. Oh, Porsche. I know. It's no, I, Californians <laughs> say Porsche, and I have gotten, I've gotten video messages that oh, say, oh, dear, Laura, it is Porsche. <laughs> and I'm like, I know. And then my, I have a French background as well. So, I speak French and the French are like, why are you saying it like that? <laughs> so I'm like, listen, I got to do what I got to do. <laughs> but one of those things is that, you know, there's a, there's a customer experience that Porsche, Porsche, Porsche uh, sell. And they don't sell, we're going to sell you the fastest car, the best handling car. They're going to sell you an experience. And yeah. that's the thing that we all buy into because you've been in the Porsche community for a long time. And I, I got to confess, I did watch on YouTube your appearance on the podcast, The Late Night Playset, mm-hmm. from about a year ago. Um, and you talked about those things, the culture, the personality, and things like that. And for me, I've only been in the Porsche community for probably about three years when I went out on a whim and bought this 911, this 996. Um, but in that time, I've got to know lots and lots of people. And, and there is a community factor about it. Obviously, you get, you know, you get the dickheads in any community, uh, but 99% of the people that I meet, they've been amazing, they've been very inclusive, uh, but it's just the people on the periphery. It's like my wife has now, because we sold our day-to-day car and she now has to drive that 996 and she hates it. No, 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 she gets to drive it. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she, and, and she sends me text messages. So before I'd, I'd be, okay, I'm a little bit worried. She's gone out somewhere. And it's a car that she just doesn't like. And she'll get to work and she'll send me a text saying, I made it to work okay, full stop, L- skip line, and then I'll say, your car is shit. <laughs> 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 that's, that's what she'll say. <clears throat> and it's just because she just goes, I just don't get why you have it. It's disgusting. It's the gears are hard. The clutch is hard. Whereas she looks at the 912 and all of that stuff is much harder on that one. She just looks at it and she goes, I get that. I get why you have that. I call, it, it. I call it a brunch mobile. You know, they're, they're so cute. You just twiddle around and, and they're great. You know, uh, I totally understand that. And, I, and, and again, going on women's differences, and this is why I think we need to be brought to the table because we are not, definitely not brought to the table like we should be, especially when building cars. Um, I would love to be on the panel of people that have a say about just the cockpit you know, because women don't want a Cayenne. They want a minivan or some Yukon or whatever, because they've catered to 
not only the dad and the family, but the mom, you know, and we're half of the buying public. So it's bad business for any brand to forget about mom. She has a lot of say behind the scenes and she, she's, she's opinionated and she's oftentimes telling dad, you're not getting a Porsche. We have kids and this is, that's out, you know, but if they got in the cockpit and they could see where they could put their diaper bag um, or their phone or, you know, whatever it is, little creature comforts, which would cost nothing. I mean, really some of the, some of the, the things that I, you know, I had a friend, she didn't, uh, one of my best friends, she, she had a choice between a Mercedes SL and a Porsche. Uh, and this was back about 15 years ago. At the time, the car she was looking at didn't have cup holders. And she said, hard, no, don't want it. <laughs> like buy a cup holder. What are you doing? But she, she didn't want it. And, and I recently drove up to, I got a loaner uh, from Porsche Santa Clarita that they gave me a, a Cayenne because all the cars were gone. Everyone, everyone was begging for cars. And he's like, you got the last one. I'm like, okay. It was a 2018 Cayenne. I was like, whatever. I'm not going to put the miles on my car. And um, I got in and my friend and I both were like, uh, okay, well, uh, I, I don't know where to put my phone. There's the phone sliding off. We're like, it was just a total slope. I'm like, give me a net, give me a little net right next to my leg where I can put my phone, something, you know, and women are picky like that. Like we have a lot of stuff and I feel like little things like that. Um, I mean, to go more toward the motor, I, I used to drive a, a don't tell anyone, but I used to drive a Maserati Gran Turismo. So I bought Ooh. that. After I, <laughs> wow. <laughs> I have kids. So I, my kids outgrew my 997 and I was like, oh, there's a back seat. This is perfect. I can still do the convertible, whatever. It was a whole other thing. It had the Ferrari engine, whatever. So recently I did the Ferrari Roma. I did the uh, precision driving for that for a commercial. And um, I got in and it kept shifting to eighth gear really quickly, like in going 40 miles an hour. It'd go da, 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 da. And I'm like, I just want to drive it in regular mode. So then I'm like, I'll put it in Sport Plus. <laughs> you know, but it, I, I just wanted to shift, you know? And it kept just shifting down to eighth. Now, maybe there's an adjustment. This was a press car. I, I don't know. But I had concerns about it because I was like, what if mama gets in it? You know, it's her husband's car. And then she gets in it because I, I consider it a grand tour. You know, it looks like a touring car to me and I get it. You know, it's fast. And all the guys that are the journalists, they use the paddles. And yeah. I'm like, what about grandma who's got the rich husband that bought the Ferrari Roma and he's paddling all over town. And now she's driving brunch and she's putting her makeup on and she's got to figure out how to drive this thing. It should be shifting normally. And it wasn't. And um, so I actually asked uh, Matt Farah, because he, he, he had it. I go, what do you think? I go, if you put it out of paddle mode, he said, why would I? And I said, well, just to test it, to know what all of the things are. Because I was driving in a paddle mode on the, on the commercial, but you know, when I was just going through Palm Springs in town, just to go back to, to base camp, I was like, this is, this is impossible to drive just cruising, you know? And um, so to me, you know, some of the reports from the guys are, they're going balls to the wall. They, you know, they're, they're not taking in consideration all the people that might be driving the car. And uh, to me, you know, it might be a rich man with a, a wife that just likes to go to the mall. No, I, I get that because a lot of the cars that get, I was, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about 
if you if you watch these car television programs, a lot of them like Top Gear or whatever it might be, and they show, well, there's an SUV, there's a series of SUVs that are being launched, and let's go and test them on the track. I'm like, but nobody uses an SUV on the track. The last place anyone's ever going to drive an SUV. Exactly. <laughs> and and I'm not, I know you've got a McCann, but I, <laughs> I'm not an SUV fan. I'm, I'm kind of against them. Um, but I, you know, I use my 996 every day. I've got two small children. My daughters are seven and three, and they go in the back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit awkward because my seven-year-old sat behind me and I still have to move my seat. I'm I'm kind of six one, so it's a bit of a squeeze. Yeah. Oh, I know it but, very well. <laughs> yeah, but 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 my wife used to her day-to-day -day, uh, daily was a golf R. Mm -hmm. Um so you know, not 16 under five seconds, super practical, safe, all of those things. And you know, she used to drive it and use that performance. Um, and then when we went out before, and before we sold that about a month ago, she would not go in the 996. She just went, no, I'm not interested. Never drove it. I've, I've had it nearly three years. But then suddenly it was our day-to-day -day car. And we went on a country lane, like absolutely floored it to some twisties. And she said, but why, why do you have this car? My golf is safer. It's faster. It's more practical. And I went, but it's for the opposite reason. It's for the fact, it's for the noise, the smell, the slight feeling of you're not totally in control. Yeah. Uh, I have it for all of those things. And I'm very lucky that it has traction control. So it helps me out, you know, when I run out of skill, uh, which is very quick. But at the same time, it, that's why you have it for that kind of danger factor. And she drove it once through those country lanes and she went, yeah, I kind of get it because it's quite intoxicating. You can put yes, your foot down, yeah. but it is, it is about the experience. It's not about, you know, how fast you're going. It's about how you're going. Isn't that what yeah. Porsche said? It's not how you get, it's not how fast you get there. It's how you get there. Is it something yes. like that? That's one of the yeah. things that we have. Oh, if um, I can just backpedal a bit. Oh, sorry, Ajmal. If I can just backpedal a bit on your point you brought up about the car interior and how it suits the consumer and yeah. the shortcomings relevant to being a mum, Okay. I'm always baffled when I get in my wife's car that there just isn't anywhere to put a handbag if she's got yeah. a passenger. Yeah. Right. And yeah. there's aftermarket products that you can buy, yeah, but there is. should they be? Yeah, I agree. And especially in a Cayenne, let's say, you know, I, you know, I know so many women have said, you're not getting Cayenne. It's a Porsche. You're not getting it. You know, you were going to get a sensible dad car or whatever. Sure. And the guys will buckle and they get the car that the mom wants because the mom is in it more often maybe, you know? And mm. so she fights and she has a lot of control over those purse, purse strings. And so that, you know, Porsche and other brands need to really take that into consideration because half of the population is somewhat, you know, they, the, the husband usually talks to the wife, you know, not always. Some guys are out there like, I never would ask her, but um, <laughs> they talk to the wife, but it's a big purchase and they have to suit their family. And a Cayenne perfectly suits a family, but, but, Doesn't you, suit you know, the wife. yeah, if she wants to put her purse in the, in the, in the third, you know, the, the, the trunk, then fine. But it's, it's frustrating when we got in the car and, and there was absolutely no place to put even the smallest phone. So, um, there, I guess there, there was a couple of things, but it, it, we, we really struggled with it because either one phone was here and then it was sliding off and, and I don't even remember the interior, but I have a Macan and I have a place for my phone and I, and I had a Cayenne Turbo as well and I had a place for my phone. So I don't know what happened in 2018, but it got a little wonky. Um, but, but yeah, accommodate them, accommodate mom a little bit, 
and well, make dad still feel cool. You know, two, my two pet hates of those types of cars are firstly center consoles, you know, that you lift the lid on and you put stuff in really when's the last time someone lifted a lid on a center console the stuff in there was put in there three years ago you know what i mean like it's not a thing that people use in cars people talk about oh it's got storage yeah. people don't use that let me well that should just be a big buckety type thing that someone a woman can just drop their handbag in and it just that's where it is for them and it's the perfect place for it and the other or thing even slightly behind right there like a little slot of some sort but maybe it's an attachment that they can sell so, they can yeah that they can yeah. put on take off and yeah porsche yeah. make it please the other yeah. thing is you know in um relatively modern sports style cars with i won't say sport bucket seats but that type of a sporty seat that has a lot of um leg bolstering on it and getting in and out of them it's a challenge right you know we got to get over it and you know that you're wearing down that every time you get in and out you see it in you know cars that are five or six years old and you get in other cars like the sl you mentioned before in panamera is when you turn the car off how the seat drops all the way down and slides all the way back for you and then when you get in it goes back to where it's supposed to be why don't they just electrically drop the door side bolster of the seat so you can just slide into it and then when you start the car up it goes back up again they're doing all this other stuff electrically in the car but it'd just be the easiest solution in the world to get in and out of your car wouldn't it yeah well it's funny some cars way back they used to swivel out <laughs> the seat you know just like yep. but I, I mean i understand yeah i don't like the, the super sport seats where the bolster is so high that holds you in but that's for racing and it's not you know, for me, it's not comfortable for every day because we drive a lot here. And uh, as do we you know, here in Perth, we got a similar sort of thing. You know, we, we are the public transport system is less existent here than it is in um, LA. You know, that's how bad it is here. Yeah. And it's, it, you know, we're in and out a lot. It's a lot of, you know, going here, going there, you know, popping in and out of your car. And I really realized it when I had a convertible because, you know, I, I'd put the convertible down and we come up and I was like, oh, I'm going to kill this convertible because, you know, every time I went up, it would up and down, up and down. I'm, sure. I do it like five times on one trip to the grocery store and, uh, you know, just going around town. So, uh, yeah, I like a car that's a little more accessible. And I think there could, you know, there's uh, that's what sport packages are for. You know, if you want to be full sport dad, sure. sport, oh, uh, come yeah. dad sport that convert, the convertible thing that doesn't work here in Perth. Because, oh, yeah. because of our temperature, you, your head would set on fire if you, you know, didn't have you had the, because right, look, right now, what's the time? It's 10 past five in the morning here. Okay. And wow. it's, oh, hang on, let me check in Fahrenheit. So you'll understand. Oh, it's, it's about 85 degrees Fahrenheit here at the moment. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah so it's, we, we've got about eight days in a row that's going to be over 40 degrees Celsius. So what's that? 107, 108 or something. We've got like, yeah, eight days in a row we're going to have that. So it's, you just cannot, you just you can't even go outside without getting sunburned. You know what I mean? It's and there's yeah, also something we're in about the middle of summer now, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's convertibles. The only people only people own convertibles over here drive them at night. See, yeah. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I say it's weld up the doors. Let's get in Dukes of Hazard style. Quantum window. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> Roll cage. The works. Yeah, you or like, like sporty stuff. Like the, uh, the Z1, the Z1. Yes, yes, the, yes. The the going in. Yes, yeah, the best. That so is cute. that is the way to go. I, I was thinking, you know, um, I know we're supposed to be talking about Porsches, but um, you know the like the DeLorean and the Gullwing Mercedes, 
um yeah the, the doors coming up and and also the the new well newish now uh gt40 no mm-hmm. the ford gt sorry not the gt40 the gt ford, yeah and, yeah with the butterfly style doors and, yeah and the way the doors open because they've got that big thing cut out in the roof of the car you have to open them really wide so you can't park anywhere where you're part near something and everything is getting bigger and bigger and obviously over in the uk the roads are small I mean, oh, yeah. my, my, my brother lives over in Australia and every time he comes over because the roads are so small and you're going past each other really fast so if I'm doing 60 miles an hour and it, that's the speed limit he's always holding on to his seat saying why are you going so fast it's not, not it's not fast it's just that we're all really close together and when you go to you're a just, car park you're just English you can't help it <laughs> yeah. but when you go to a, a car park you know there's there's new SUVs there might be a Ford Ranger or something parked there and I'm in my Porsche 912 sat you know right down and you're yeah. looking up and you just think can that person even see that I exist when I'm here or are they just no, going to turn around can't. and drive over me <laughs> they can't <laughs> exactly. maybe you need to be more empathetic of how you, you know cyclists now Ajmal out on the road who I know you dislike immensely maybe you should be you're, you're no different to them, to those Ford Ranger drivers. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not it the is. same. No, my, my boyfriend, my high school boyfriend was a, as a road racer and he, we lived in Vail at the time and he was racing around in Vail and people would drive by and slap him on the ass. And, you know, a 50 mile an hour slap on the ass is no joke. You know, he'd be bruised and it was really crazy oh. because he played by all the rules, but because so many people are ridiculous in their bikes, they're terrible. Um, and we have a lot of them up over I PCH uh, Pacific Coast Highways one block that way. So we see them all the time and they're always in the middle of the lane and you know and, and then there's the ones that do it right and you can tell that their bodies are better and they're more skilled. Are they called mammals over there because they're called mammals over here. No, somebody calls them, there's a guy who calls them butt darts for the kids. They, he's, like, he's got like an Instagram or whatever, and he calls them butt darts because they, they look like darts. But, um, but you know, I, I always give total respect to them because so many people die around here, they get hit. And I don't know why they drive on a highway in the first place. It, it, it's, it's kind of shocking. They'll drive two abreast down a highway where, you know, 16-year-olds are looking at their phone. Yep. Or even worse, the coast. Yeah. What was that? Or even worse, the view on PCH. You know, they're not watching exactly. where they're going. Yeah. The coastal exactly. roads here are the worst roads you could ride a bike on. I come from a cycling background, so I understand yeah. exactly what you're talking about. And you know that slap on the ass? I, I copped one, oh, I'd be probably 12, 15 years ago from a group of young girls um, mm-hmm. in a convertible as they came past. One slapped me on the, on the um, ass as they went past, and it hit me that hard. Yeah. <laughs> knocked straight off the bike, off the road, cartwheeled down the embankment type thing just because they thought they were being funny. Yeah, and, and they probably didn't realise the strength of a 50-mile-an-hour slap, you know, and that's what happened to my <laughs> I would have hurt the hand, though. The craziest place, we just got back from, um, well, in September, we went to Italy, well, France, we went to France um, down to Monaco. We did a, a um, it's called the Pro Rider GT Cruising, sure. and um, it was a, a, a rally, and we were on the tiniest roads. And I don't know if you saw my stories, uh, but I, I, we were on this one road and it, the directions were taking us up this road and it was a walkway. And the car was this close, it was so bad. I, I was like, we can turn back around, what are we doing? You know, and, 
we, we were just stuck in this walkway and this guy's like, uh, you guys, this is a walkway. <laughs> but, uh, I totally get that because um, my wife and I, we were married in Italy. Um, oh, yeah. 10, well, 10 a bit years ago now. And when we were there, we were there for about two months uh, just driving around. And yeah. uh, it was in North Italy. And, they were, you know, you get these hilltop towns where they're, you know, thousands of years old. And you've got these little roads that you there's, there's people driving all around and a lot of them are in fiat pandas they're in fiat 500s tiny cars yeah. and we were in a higher car and yeah. we're following that like you following the directions you know when you're going down a narrow road and you're just thinking am i going to get wedged between two buildings because mm -hmm. it's getting narrower and narrower and narrow and then you always go with you take half on the fact no there's a local behind me in a modern car surely yeah. they know they must know that it's going to get through and then the next minute you're opening the windows you're folding the mirrors in and yeah. you make it through and you just think this this is how people drive and all the cars have marks and dings and whatever in them oh yeah. And it's, yeah it's it's such a different way of living driving consuming cars when you're when you're not in a city everyone likes to keep everything pristine in a city it's it's very different um and i, and I you said about fail is that colorado Yes, yeah, it's by um, by Aspen. It's about eighty miles right. from Aspen, if that okay. makes. Sense. So, so over there, it's kind of yeah, you know, everything's big, isn't it? But, but like Australia, the roads are wide, um, and they've been built for those big cars because since the fifties, you know, cars have been yeah. huge in the U.S. But in sort of these thousands of years old towns, and I, you know, I live I live in a two hundred and seventy year old house, and I. Because people were shorter then, I bash my head on every doorframe that I go through. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's I, I can understand that anxiety, but at the same time, you know, I've not been to Australia. I've been to New York once, um, but I don't know. I mean, if I if I went somewhere, I hate flying, but if I went oh. to the US, I'd have to get a big American car and drive across the country. I had to do that oh, my yeah. last trip. I had to do that. I had to do the whole big American car thing. I got a, I think we rented a Toyota Tundra and like, I'm a, I'm a little guy and my wife is a little lady and we could sort of like reach across and hardly touch, you know, we're sitting across <laughs> the passenger. <laughs> I want a small car. The when I get... screen was massive. It was like a TV, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, when we went to Europe, uh, I was supposed to get a um, GT3 RS and um, for, for, multiple reasons um the, the the group pulled out for was going to give it to me so um i got a cayenne uh, hybrid and it was very fast actually i was shocked because i'm like a hybrid on top of it come on you know and then i i was driving other people's cars like i got into a gt uh three uh 4.0 and all that i had some fun but then you're in somebody else's car and you are on roads this wide it's so so nerve-wracking and my boyfriend the whole time is in my ear i'm like hey relax like I want to see the I still want to see the sights as well but when we were in the Cayenne it was I mean, it was ridiculously large for some of these roads and going into a town we would just be like beeping the entire way in and people were like you're not gonna be able to make it I'm like I know well there's about 60 cars behind us it's coming to so get used to it <laughs> like we were we'd be at the end of a road up at the top of a mountain and it was all through the Alps and you know, and we actually were quite comfortable. I think I would do the rally. I'm doing it again, and I would do the rally again in a, in a in a Cayenne because it was so comfortable, and I can always pop in somebody else's car and and have the fun on the roads when 
you know, they were trying to give it to me in the Alps. They're like, do you want my car today? You want the Turbo S? I'm like, no, I don't want a Turbo S and slicks with the rain. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, you saying that about being given that car. Um, so you're a Porsche ambassador. Yes. Um, <laughs> and how did it come about? Well, it's funny because I know uh, pretty much every single person at Porsche AG it seems I've had meetings with them all um, and uh, working together with Porsche on, on several projects. And I've obviously I've been in the Organale, which is Porsche Classic um, part. Um, I've done, um, I'm the International Women's Day for last year. So that was really fun. Um, but uh, so yeah, I'm trying to get to the point where it's just strictly um, work. I, I have a meeting with them tomorrow, so oh, cool. we'll see. We'll see how far uh, that will go. But I, you know, I think that we like working together because I think they they appreciate that I'm a woman who drives. I don't sit on my hood of my car. I don't. I, you know, it's all about getting women into the car, into the car and driving, as opposed to using the cars as accessory we're the accessory to the car the car is the standout and i think they appreciate that yeah because there's a lot on social media there's a lot of I, I guess you know the algorithm presents me with stuff that's porsche because i follow people who are into porsche and i like photos that are porsche related but i'm always reluctant to hit like on when i see a car and i really like it i'm reluctant to hit like when there's a half naked woman on it Oh yeah. Just because of what it feeds you after that. Hang on, I don't want to promote that. Yeah. Sorry, Mark. Yeah, I was just saying, just because of what it feeds through to you after that point as well, what the your algorithms send through on your feed. That's you know, even like you said, I agree with you, Ashmal. There's some amazing motorcars out there that are spoiled by the word you use, Lara, the accessory that's been draped over the front of it. And yeah, and and that's not um that's not a um you know a, a a good polish job the accessory i'm talking about it's actually a lady it should be wearing more clothes yeah and the thing is there's there's something there's i don't want to hate on the models that do that because i you know maybe they do love cars and that's their jam i don't know but for me um i try to stay away from that for myself also because we're not furthering women if we're doing that because guys don't get down to their underwear and well some do uh but uh, in general, you know, I'm trying to perpetuate normalcy for women in cars and that puts us back, you know, and a lot of men feel it's funny because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening right now that are going to be like, oh, that's exactly what I want in my algorithm. And that's fine. If that's, if that's your thing, and you just want to see a bunch of naked women. That's awesome. But, and then you get to see cars too. How great. You have, like, that's your thing. But, uh, but I've, I've been, uh, uh, reached out to by multiple men that are that are thankful that I don't do that because and I think that people have respected it and even I think people know better than to comment on my stuff uh uh without uh you know putting a woman down or saying oh that's her dad's car or any of that stuff it might be her dad's car but but it doesn't matter, you know, she's in the car, she's having a great time. It's none of your business. You don't know if it's her car or not. I have friends that have collections. Um, one girl has a Senna, you know, and, and you know, if you, if you look at a girl and she's in a Senna, you're like, well, your husband bought it for you. Well, no, that's not the case with her. And, and I think that, um, you know, the question always comes, is that, is that, your daddy's car is that your boyfriend's car or whatever and 
I remember my friend had a Ferrari. Um, she had a 328 GTS and she wouldn't drive it. And I was like, let's go, let's go in the car. Let's do it. You know, she's like, Laura, you don't understand. I'm blonde. <laughs> I'm, she was in her twenties and her boyfriend, her husband, sorry, her husband, um, used to buy her cars and he was 27. So they were 25 and 27, happily married. And he would buy her Ferraris. He loves Ferraris. Wow. Everyone was in her name, but she didn't want anything to do with it. Cause people would look at her like she was a sugar mama or sugar daddy get bought it for her. And, uh, I got in it and I'm like, so what, who cares? And I get in and this guy looks over and he goes like, ah, like, you, you whore, you know? And, and I'm like, it's hers. It's her car. And like, no, like, no. So it, I mean, how can you not have uh, like, I love 328s by the way, right? Those for that era of Ferrari. I really like it, but mm -hmm. I would have to have a fake Magnum PI mustache to wear every time I drove it. And that'd have even more value as a blonde lady wearing a fake Magnum PI mustache every time she yeah. drove it. And who'd take the focus off it. You know what I mean? It'd just be a hoot. I have a friend, Mark, who has a 308. And uh, I think 308 is the actual Magnum PI it is, one. It is. But, you know, yeah. that was that style of car I'm talking about, you know. Exactly the same chassis. Yeah. But so the Magnum PI, uh, he pulls up and we were in our car and, he, and he's blasting Magnum PI music. I was dying. It's, <laughs> he does it all the time. <laughs> but you're just saying about the whole perception of a young one woman driving a, a, a supercar. And I think even... Um, in the UK, there's a thing that we talk about and in the workplace, uh, you know, the whole thing about uh, gender equality, pay equality. And there's a term that's been going around. It's called unconscious bias. Mm -hmm. And I think it's prevalent everywhere. <clears throat> but it's sometimes where something is done and you don't know you're doing it. You don't think it's a bad thing, but it's happening. And it's things that we talk about in data, data bias in data. And, you know, when algorithms get written and they're written by some nerdy bloke, uh, who sat in a in a dark room and he's writing something and, and it sounds like unconscious example. bias, unnerdy bloke. Yes, <laughs> but one of the one of the things that um, it's like Amazon were the first company. We've gone slightly off topic here, but um, were, were the first company to use just uh, artificial intelligence to hire people, and they just went right. We're going to feed the CV through this uh, algorithm, and it'll spew out whether we should hire this person or not. And it got to a point where they realized, hang on, we're only hiring men. And it was wow. because historically the data they were using, they had only hired men in those roles. And so bad data in, bad data out. So it was, you know, they fed in all the history of all the bias. And obviously the artificial intelligence was going to apply that bias. And it's that kind of thing that I, I have a big interest in it, again, because I've got two daughters and I think about the future. And when you're at work and someone tries to you know you go someone tells you oh we've got senior women in senior positions and it's always marketing and it's always hr or something like that and you go no i want you know a woman in charge of the technology sector i want a woman in charge of sales i want you know you and you want it to make a difference in how we think it's not about a woman behaving like a man you have to behave like a woman and be successful in that role and that's what diversity is um so that for me that was a big driver in getting you on uh, but one of the things that you've kind of distracted me with is that Lee's works on comic books. I did not know that. I am a I know I'm I'm consciously a comic book nerd. <laughs> what kind of comic books does he work on? Oh man, everything. Uh, Batman, Superman, everything. Uh, he's been doing it for decades. And he's <laughs> 
he's uh, currently uh, he's got like eight properties that he's um, shopping as well uh, for um, for TV shows and th things like that. But it you know oh. the way to own your entire property is to get it out into a graphic novel and then it goes on. Um, but he's but he's done every comic book you could possibly name one. <laughs> yeah, well, name I, one. well, as a as a kid, I read a lot of Marvel comics and maybe a few DC ones. So they were mostly you know uh, uh, X Men, Spider Man, those kind of things that I I read as a kid. And uh, I've I've still got about I'm going to sound like a superhero, Mark. I haven't told you this before. But I've still got about a thousand of them. Oh yeah, <laughs> and they're hidden away in the house somewhere. Just don't it's tell anything. your wife. She knows. <laughs> I'm terrible because I haven't really read any of the books because he's the he's really the colorist. And then so I now I'm editing all of his stuff and I give him you know like he did an ending on um, something that actually is going to be uh, picked up, um, and I said oh I knew this ending was coming and I was hoping you were going to do that so he he always listens to the woman's perspective because it was what the woman was doing in that last scene and we talked it out and he we have such a good you know we talk about cars we talk about you know sensitive girl things and we talk about um you know work and and we were truly a, a team and uh so it's really nice to be with somebody who whenever I'm doing something. I mean, there's just a respect for it, and and um, and and same with him. You know, we just we're, we're really like best friends. I mean, we love each other, but we're we're really truly best friends. And on our first date, that was the first question he said is like, uh, "What kind of car do you like?" And which is a really tacky thing to say in in um, for a girl to say for sure. And I'm always curious. I'm like, "What kind of car does he like?" And then um, he said, "What?" I said, "Porsche." And Porsche. I said, "Porsche." And he said. Mm. Oh, this is going to be a great relationship. So, um, yeah, he always gets mad when I show these, but here's like Batman. He's oh wow, yeah, Batman, Wonder Woman, funky. So he'll he'll does he know Todd McFarlane? Okay, so the funny thing is, is if you wiki him, Todd's face was on there forever, and oh. that's him. And he, I'm, I was like, why is that guy's face? And you got to change it. So finally someone, I think his son went in and figured it out and changed the, the picture for Todd. Oh, yeah, he knows, I it. Did, he knows I it. Did, I did notice you haven't got a wiki page. I do? Or you no? don't, you don't. Well, you got to create one then. I, well, I, I could if I could work out how to do it. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think it's you, by other people, so I don't, I don't know. But, so when you, got to, when you guys got together, did he know about your Miss Cinderella City title? Oh gosh. How <laughs> <laughs> much research have you done? <laughs> I mean, you guys could genuflect if you like, but um, no, uh, I, I don't think he did. No. I think the mall was no longer in existence by the time we got together. Because <laughs> so, when I was listening to that uh, podcast and you were talking yeah. about moving to New York City, and I mean, that's a yeah. big thing because you're young then. And obviously, I'm not saying. Oh, I'm old. Still young. No. <laughs> <laughs> and and when you moved, obviously moving to such a big city, without you know financial help, without a network of people, when you get there, is is a really big deal. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it made me think of, you know, the movie Coyote Ugly. Yes. <laughs> 
and I've not seen that movie. I've just seen the trailer for it. And I think it's, it's a girl who's introverted, anxiety, and she goes and works in a bar where you have to dance on the bar. I think surely yeah. there must have been another job she could have got. See, I was extroverted and then chose not to dance on the bar. So there's that. <laughs> it could have gone that way. It could have gone that way. I mean, I, I had $40 to my name after I paid for, I think I had to pay two or three weeks uh, at a girl's hotel. And um, I had seen the girl's hotel on a soap opera, which when I got there, did not look like the soap opera version of the girl's hotel. And so I just went off of that. I was like, oh, this is, you know, this girl was in it and it looks like a big room. And it was the tiniest room, bathroom down the hall. And um, you only had three weeks to stay there or you would get residency because of, uh, you know, the rent, there's like renter laws um, in New York. And you would, so they would kick you out after three weeks. So I paid for that and I had $40 to my name, no job no return ticket and only the, the bags that I could carry on my person. So uh, I'm really proud of what, how well I did and that I didn't turn to prostitution. And, <laughs> and it just did a really, like, you like know. Benchmark. <laughs> yeah, so I, my, this is my level, it's right here. And it's right here. And I was just right here. I just, I did not go into, you know, drug dealing or prostitution. So, uh, but it was, it was, uh, it was a really learning experience and I suggest it for anyone actually. And uh, I think it, it, it strengthened me. And, you know, there's that song, if you can make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. I really felt that way after I left. I, I, I felt a sense of accomplishment and I, I don't get that from my parents very much. Um, so it, you know, I've had to be my own uh, cheerleader. And I think that what I've done is I've built really good friendships that are my solid family. And, um, and, and that's where I get, uh, that's where I get my inspiration and that's where I get that support. And I'm lucky to have really good friends that, that do that for me. So if you're, so if you're, I don't know, 18 year old child, 20 year old child says, I'm going to go and make it in New York. Would you say, yes, go for it. Or would you say, hang on? Uh, well, and it's funny because I went to CD New York. It was pretty bad. Um, my mom started calling me every day. She's like, oh, wait a minute. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it depends on the child. I, I, I could have lived on my own at 14. I was just that kid and um, trust them when they're that, like that because I, I was a very, I was, I didn't really, my mom's a really sweet lady, but I didn't really trust her judgment. And her judgment was, she's just super religious. Not like she was doing drugs or anything like that. She was just, um, childlike in some ways and and needed that religious background to really solidify who she was so I saw that at a young age and I had questions about the religion and I just didn't want to be a part of it and so I begged her to move out at 17 and she finally succumbed to me because I had you know been working for a year and well actually I've been working since I was 14 but really solidly working for a year and begged to get out and moved out and came to California, moved out of the state. <laughs> I was like, see ya. And, um, uh, and so I came, I, we, I was from California. So I moved up to Lake Tahoe, moved back to California and, um, and then on to Colorado and then on to New York. But uh, it was the best, there's no other way to learn than just throwing yourself into it. And I'm actually at the point right now, cause I want to come to Europe. I'm at the point where I want to dive in because uh, waiting around for people to to make my dreams happen uh, is futile. You know, I think that the only person who's gonna 
you know, get things done is myself. And so that's what I'm doing. And um, make, you know, like I'm supposed to go to Amelia Island, but I'm like, I'm applying for my press pass now. I got it. You know, I'm, I, I'm not waiting around for people to allow me to do so. I'm going to do it before I have to wait around for a company or, a, or one of my sponsors to figure out what they want to do because, you know, most of them are corporations and most of them, you know, have to have a 27 meetings. I, they can catch up with me. I, I don't, I'm at the point where I'm not waiting anymore, you know? Yep. No, that, that's a really good way, a, a good outlook on life. And, and one of the things that you just said resonated with me really strongly because I'm from a really religious background. So I grew up in a very religious household and it's very uh, suffocating yeah because it's don't take a risk don't go don't go into the unknown whereas as a as as a young person you're always looking for the unknown you're looking yeah. to strike out and grow and expand whereas the that environment of being i don't know why it's more culture than religion i guess but it's quite restrictive and i, I remember it wasn't until i left home and i moved to a different city that you could i felt like i could grow as a person because I had, I, I had to get right. I had to get right with the fact that, you know, I'm a good person. I'm not a bad person. And, and I, I love people and I, I give out good energy, hopefully. And that if there is a God, he doesn't think I'm a bad person. And if there is a, you know, Armageddon or whatever, I don't think he'll look at me and go, yeah, that she's a piece of shit, you know? Yeah. So I, <laughs> I think that as long as you live your life, you know, whatever godlike or however you want to put it, you know, as a kind person, you know, uh, then you're gonna, you're gonna be fine. And, 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 the, you know, I, I don't think that if God is so wonderful and loving, he's gonna look at me and go, yeah, she's gone. You know, I, I try to be the best person. Just because be. you didn't read the right book. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. I do think that people need religion a lot of times like my mom didn't really have a good family so she found that family in her religion and and it and they're nice people it's just you know and she's they're not taking her money or anything like that so i you know i support her in that religion because she needs that but i did not and i didn't believe in the stuff that they were teaching and so um and even from a young age i had questions and i'd ask them and they'd be like that's a good question we'll get back to you on that and i'm like wow it's so weird i haven't gotten that answer yet so I would, I would even read the Bible and be like, it doesn't say anything here about that, you know, and I would go over my own, I had to trust my own, myself. And I think that when you trust yourself, you know, um, you'll make the right decisions. And, you know, which is why when I went to New York, there was no worry. I'm not that person. I'm not going to go and, uh, you know, get into drugs or do any of that stuff. It, I'm going to figure it out. And I did. Do you See, I, I was, sorry, go on, Ashmo. No, I was just going to say, when, you, when I moved, to you know a big city and I moved on my own I didn't know anybody and uh, I started to make new friends and there were things that I, I did that not not that I'm not proud of that I should have thought more about I used to leap in with whatever happened um, you know I'd be out with with a bunch of friends and I'd meet somebody and they'd say oh we're going to this event who I don't know in a suburb that I don't know and the worst thing I ever did was that made me stop and think and wind it all back was someone invited me to a hot tub bar to get somebody's house and I was in a bar and I just said yeah let's go <laughs> and, and, and it was, it's one of those things that you get there and that was one of the the, the big things where I thought what am I doing what am I doing here <laughs> and then that's when you wind it back because you're just really naive and you accept whatever someone's telling you 
yeah, but you didn't do anything bad. You went to a hot tub no. party. You didn't like what was going on at the hot tub party. And then you, you know, I mean, you know, it could have been no, a really don't nice- get me wrong. I didn't quite like it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it was one of those things where you go, it's too far. You're like, and that's how my daughter was born. No, um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I got asked a million times to do cocaine because I was in the modeling world. I have never done cocaine, would never do cocaine. Um, I just had a good moral sense. Maybe it was from my religious background, but I had a good moral sense to not do so. I've never really done drugs. I've tried pot um, and it just doesn't do anything for me. But um, same with my boyfriend. He was straight edge punk, you know, didn't do any of that stuff. And I'm glad that I'm with someone like that because I mean, I see like my neighbors, like they'll get out away from their children and they're like all doing blow and you're like what are you doing you psychos like I mean it's crazy but um it's always like the straight lace moms in the neighborhood you're like what just happened what are you so um I just never have succumbed to that and I had a lot of pressure um there's a show called cheers here uh, uh, years ago I used to work on it and um with Ted Danson and Chris uh, oh, cheers, cheers in Boston cheers cheers yeah that's yeah. old um so I I was asked, you know, they, they were passing pot around and I was working on that show and I just said, no, thank you. And it was like, oh, they were like, they, they were like, do you want us to put it out? And like, they, they actually catered to me and I was a young girl. And so it was very interesting dynamic and they were really great cast. They're really nice. Um, but uh, they just were having a little pot. It's not, it's not a bad thing. I just it wasn't my jam and it would have been something if you're going to do it, you know, do it with a cast of cheers. <laughs> <laughs> cheers, cheers was a cheers was a big deal when I was growing up. I, you know, we used to watch yeah, it yeah. obviously. And you were born in Seattle, weren't you? Yes. So you, yeah. you mentioned Kelsey Grammer. You know where I'm going with this. What about? <laughs> so Frasier's, no, Frasier, the TV show is set in Seattle. Oh isn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and so, how long did you live? So you're born in Seattle. Did you grow up there, or did you move to? Was it? Orange County, wasn't it, after? Orange County, yeah. No, my dad um, got transferred from uh, his company in Massachusetts. And so they, my parents and my brother, everyone was born in Massachusetts and Maine. And um, I was born in Seattle because he had transferred. And we moved uh, uh, when I was three down to Orange County. And right. um, that's where I was basically raised because I went to school here. And um, in eighth grade, my mom moved us up to Lake Tahoe and every, my dad still lived down here. So I, every summer and all my friends, I'm still friends with all my friends from kindergarten. And um, so we, we uh, I would just, uh, I was always here at the beach all, all summer with my dad, so. Oh, cool. So you, you've moved to a lot of places even before you were an adult. <laughs> before I was, yeah, like eighth grade. <laughs> Oh, well, that's, uh, and there's a, there's a thing. Uh, sorry, Mark, I've kind of it's okay taken over a bit. Sorry, there's uh, Mark's just a question. Mark, Mark's over in the corner taking a nap. No, <laughs> the I'll tell you what, my dog's killing me this morning. It's in, it's out. It's you know because I've gotten up earlier than normal. He doesn't know oh. whether what's going on, so I've got to stop. Like, just feed me, just feed me. Oh, he's had that. Oh, okay. Because there, there was um, you said about coming to Europe. And uh, I, th- I think I did see a post from you that said you wanted some ideas of places, car shows and places to go. And, and I remember thinking, I can't say anything in the UK because she's likely to end up in a boggy, wet field on a cold day in the middle of summer over here, because that's what happens. You know, I love that. I love Everyone. that. I have the sun all the time. Like, give me a boggy field. I, <laughs> I, I want to go to Goodwood. 
Um, I've, I've listed all the places I want to go this year um, with some sponsors. So we'll see. Um, so come to know. Goodwood because that's not far from me. I've, I've, um, I've, actually, yeah. I've got a personal motto, Ajmal, that I don't go to car shows that I've got to pack gumboots for. That's all that? of them over here. If I, I love gum boots, you know, the Wellington. Oh, gum boots. Yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, so if I, if I need those, I'm out because my car will get bogged there as well. I don't go out and if it's sprinkling with my cars. I'm, I'm like a little princess. I'm like, no, it's sprinkling. It's my hair's going to be frizzy and the car is going to get rusty. No. So <laughs> <laughs> someone has to pick me up or I, I don't, you know, it's funny because I don't even like to go on drives with other people. I like to drive to a amazing spot look over a precipice of some sort i don't need to be with others and trying to keep up and doing all the stuff you know and um stopping to take a picture when i don't want to stop because i'm get, really getting in my groove yep. and um so it, it's funny because i have a friend she she drags me out and i'm always so happy because i have a lot of fun with her um i just posted about her on my instagram um her name is sasha so cal cars for anyone listening but she has a collection and she drives a lot she loves the whole car culture and social aspect of all of it. And I do too. Once I'm there, I love it. But for me, it's not about um, that. We, we live in a car show here in California. I mean, PCH, I'm sitting at brunch. I'm always looking and people are like, you're like a dog with a bone. But I, I love seeing cars out in the wild and having fun and driving. And if there's a line of them, I love that. But I don't need to get up at six o'clock in the morning and go out when it's freezing or you know and stand around looking at cars i i really want to go and what my goal is is to go through europe going place to place visiting people like you i have even brought up australia because i feel it's underserved am i wrong in that that uh in the porsche world do you feel like there's a lot of porsches there or what do you feel in australia well i'll, I'll tell you something lara australia was the first export market outside of Europe for Porsche. We've had Porsches longer than the USA. Oh, the, really? Yep. The very first uh, two right-hand drive Porsches ever built are actually in Australia still. The, oh, wow. Yeah. So it's a long history of the brand, particularly in Melbourne, which is on the east coast of Australia. And mm -hmm. um, it's Melbourne's sort of like the LA equivalent when it comes to Porsche. Not lifestyle-wise, but, you know, that's how important the, the location is to the brand. And oh. yeah, Porsche own a lot of cars over here, you know, a lot of classics and stuff like that. There is a classic center here for restoration work, etc. West Australia, not so well served, but mm -hmm. West Australia is not so well served for just about anything else as well. In when it comes to Australia as a metric, because we're such a small population, it's so far away from everything else, you know. But yeah, yeah, you know, there is a big Porsche community here. There's a lot of it's a you know, there's a lot of listeners to this podcast who are Porsche enthusiasts. A lot of people who go to those car events, that type of thing. But when it comes to um, global Porsche personalities, we're just too far away. Yeah. For a lot of people, you know, like, for, like um, we were talking about uh, Europe earlier. My wife and I used to own a cycle tour company in Northern Italy. And oh. you know, so we'd be back and forth multiple times a year, you know, so five, six times a year we'd be going to Northern Italy. We, Ajmal, we were also married in Italy. My wife and I. I did not know that. Yeah, interesting, huh? But anyway, the um, so I'm very familiar with driving in Italy and the French Alps because of the cycle tours and all that sort of thing. 
and the Swiss. Yeah, and all the while, all the while, there's Porsches flying by and Ferraris and whatever. And it's the craziest thing when you're on like Col de la Bonnet and there's just bicycles everywhere and yep, cars yep. going as fast as they can go. It's it's really daunting because you fall and you're going down thousands A long of feet. Way. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's what's really what's really interesting about um the attitude difference of the drivers because some of the national heroes of countries like that are cyclists. Mm-hmm. You know, like in it'd be like uh you know you playing um football at school and Tom Brady turns up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you know um Beckham turns up if you're on the pitch at school it's that's what it's like and you can actually meet these people and cycle with them because they're everywhere over there you know obviously but oh, the yeah. drivers um in I was we cycling I was dragging a group up Stelvio right and the last you know the famous 48 hairpin road that you always see pictures of in Top Gear love it and all that sort of thing anyway I was dragging a group up there and the last maybe two k's is it's the last two kilometers of 24 kilometers of cycling up a big mountain. So everyone's cooked by that point. And it's really tight road with really tight hairpins. So cars can't actually overtake you in those last couple of kilometers. And you get to the top and you, you look over your shoulder and you see there's 80 cars, you know, getting held up by a couple of cyclists. <laughs> and you're thinking, Oof, this is not going to go good when we get to the top. We're going to cop a belt in the year here. You know what I mean? And people just pull over and oh, they want a photo. They can't believe they want to tell their family back home that they, someone actually could ride a bike up that mountain. They're blown away. Whereas attitudinally, yeah. Yeah, that was here in Australia, on the horn, you know yeah. what I mean? It'd just be get up the road, you bloody idiots, you know, all that sort of thing. Like similar to what it's like for, you know, going down PCH on a, although while you ride on PCH on a bicycle, it's like, yeah, you know, it's crazy. that's like a, what's the word? Um, euthanasia. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because we, you know, we started in the French Alps and then we came back up through the um, Italian and Swiss Alps and, um, and, uh, and we were on our own during that time, but the, the rally was through the French Alps and you sure. could see all the writing on the roads mm-hmm. for the Tour de France. And yep. I used to watch that um, because my boyfriend in high school was a, a racer, um, you know, so I, I, yeah, I always looked up to, to cyclists and, and know how hard it is and how people die on, on the Tour de France and, and they have no respect. I'm like, listen, these guys are doing a hundred miles on the weekend and, you know, and it's, they've got no social know. life. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a total discipline, but then there is a lot of drugs in the, in the, in the game as well. What I've learned from it's not, it's not the only professional sport that has that problem. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and people don't really realize it because it's, you know, in, in order to be a, a world-class uh, cyclist, you better keep up with the other guys doing the drugs, I guess. I don't know. It just seems like everyone's doing it. So you might as well level the playing field, you know? And, um, but yeah. So, I mean, obviously a lot of people have fallen from grace and in those kind of things, but the, the fact is, is they just become the poster child of it and, and everyone else is doing it still. Yeah. Look, it's, a, it's an, it's an interesting dynamic, but uh, you know, it's, I would hate to think what the uh, in the 1960s and 70s what the Le Mans drivers were doing to stay awake at 200 miles per hour down the Mall yeah. Straight. I would suggest they didn't do that on Gatorade. Yeah, probably. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. No dose. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm just saying about um, cyclists earlier. You know, I said they're called mammals. Yes, middle aged men. Yeah, middle aged men in Lycra. 
Yeah. Oh, well, that actually makes sense. And there's a lot of guys here that they're kind of overweight and they cycle. And my boyfriend, I was like, he goes, yep, cycled up to get a donut, you know, because <laughs> a donut shop and there's like 30 cy cyclists and they're just eating their donuts. He's like, what is, what are they doing? But I'm like, they're enjoying their life, whatever. Leave them alone. Well, it's for us over here. It's um, so I like nothing more than going out for brunch. I love yeah. brunch. So I'll head out in the morning with my wife, my children, and we'll rock up to a couple of local places. And they're all, you know, villagey, hilltop kind of places. And you turn up and there's just cycles and cycles outside. And if you manage to get a table, you see them walk in, you know, plop, plop, <laughs> out of shape plop, men. Plop, plop, plop. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're cycling boots on out of shape men. In these, and sometimes you look and you go, ah, oh, my eyes. <laughs> they're all sponsored too. I, I'm always yes. like, oh. Well, I didn't know Simple Green was sponsoring you, you know, you dad from the neighborhood. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Now, so now he I, owns I'm, Simple Green, Lara. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny because, you know, there's so many sponsored guys and they're not sponsored, you know, everything is <laughs> sponsored on the things. I, it should be illegal. Like, it just drives me nuts. Before, it used to be like, oh, this person's sponsored. If you're in, if you're in the um, Rockies and you see a cyclist with, with sponsorship on the back, they probably are sponsored, you know, and, um, but you see them on PCH and they have like 25 sponsors and they're heavily overweight. And <laughs> as, like, as yes. a general rule, when it comes to cyclists, if you're over about 6% body fat and you've got a sponsor on there, you're probably not. Yeah. 6%. Exactly. That's funny. We should say, you know, for anybody listening from Porsche or anywhere that we're, yeah, we're open to it, they want, if they want to sponsor us, you know, oh, hang on. Firstly, I am over 6% body fat Porsche. So yeah, I'm, but I'm still open yeah. to it. Yeah. yeah exactly. We're still, I'm over 6% too. <laughs> I, I definitely am. And I, and I, I wish I was more over cause it's so cold and yeah. I want to put a blanket over my shoulders, but I'd look like, you know, a 19 year old man. <laughs> well, I wanted to ask Laura quickly. The, the, there's one thing that you put on, you know, when you're talking about your friend, Sasha. Yes. And you put that post today uh, and you said you were in need of inspiration. Um, yeah. And over here, January is kind of one of those months where it's dark, it's cold and things like that. And sometimes, you know, I just wake up in the morning and I feel a bit flat. And you get inspiration from looking forward to something like this, or you're doing something, you know, doing something out of the ordinary and you're a little bit excited about it. But some days it's a bit of drudgery day after day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, my, my perception is that in California, you don't get that because you wake up every day and there's birds singing and it's Sunshine. sunny. And, and, and when you put that, and I just think when, when you get that feeling, because I, I, there's, there's a, a lot of talk about mental health and things like that. And sometimes... I feel like I realized that my mental health is probably more fragile than I thought. What, what do you do? Is it is your thing to try and combat that or to be a bit more self-aware? Is it that you're surrounded by those people who recognize that and they can drag you out of your funk? Or is there something else that you look to to go, actually, I need, I need to change the scenery? It's funny because I, I generally don't have any depression issues or anything like that. And I have a good life and I'm very appreciative of what I have. And, and I see that with um, some other people um, where they're suffering and, and it's all relative, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, you don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, people say, how are you? I'm like, wonderful, you know, but sometimes I'm faking it till I make it because 
um, that does change your vibration and how you feel. And, it, it, and then you get the positive back from people. And um, Sasha's a person I will complain to. She, she gets the worst of me. <laughs> and, and sometimes I just need that to just yell. And I go, thanks for letting me yell at you. And she's like, oh yeah, no problem. And she, she can take it and then she teases me and then we move on. And, but I, I do think weather is a big, uh, it can be really uh, a bummer. And also this COVID stuff. I mean, yep. recently I started getting paid by Instagram for my reels and I um, posted something that got me, it said, you're no longer eligible for getting paid for reels. And it was because I posted a, a band that I went to the concert and it was a friend of mine's band, but that's copyrighted material and oh. whatever. Mm. And uh, that's the only thing I can think because I've never bought my followers. I've never done anything else that would get me in Instagram jail. And I went from, I went down, I was just showing Sasha this yesterday. I went down 89% in my reach, which means what they're allowing people to see. And when I would type my name in, I was the last on the list. I would had to get to G-I-R and then I'd be like, oh, there I am. And so um, what's really frustrating is uh, I work so hard. I play by every rule. And then that happened. And then I got invited by Porsche to go to the GP ice race. And then that got canceled for COVID. And, you know, it was just a like serious. And then I got COVID. Oh, God. <laughs> today, today I have a fever. I'm here at like 62%. Um, but um, I'm, I'm riding on my Motrin. Um, but I, uh, I'm not feeling great. And so, but uh, today I got out of jail so I can be I'm back, I'm back in. And it's so funny because all of a sudden my likes are going up, my, my followers are going up. I mean, I wasn't getting any followers. Normally I get like a thousand followers a month to 1500. And so I was always able to count where I was at. And I'd be like, oh, by August, I'm going to have 20,000. And by, you know, December, I'm going to have 30,000 or whatever it was. And then um, I, I, I lost a hundred followers. I mean, I kept getting followers, but then they would drop off and I'm like, what is happening? And then I realized it was probably cause I was in Instagram jail for whatever I posted that they didn't take down. They should have just taken it down and moved on, but yep. they just kicked me off, took away my reach. It's an algorithm that's doing it. You know, there's no arguing it. It just happens. And this is my business. And so all my sponsorships that I have as paid partnerships, those went away. So, you know, I'm putting all my, eggs in this one Instagram basket and then it screws you over it's it's infuriating because you're working so hard at it so I started not being inspired to do anything fun or interesting and um you know I just it's frustrating and then I'm having all these meetings with Portia and 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 different companies that I'm doing stuff but I'm back baby so today I had a similar experience to what your you know your Instagram jail I, it happened to yeah. me with YouTube yeah i um i got demonetized yeah and, um like i was working very hard on growing the channel this is about 12 months ago um and look don't get me wrong I, I don't have a big enough youtube channel that it's funding a lifestyle it was token the monetization that was coming through at that you know at that time but it was something it was better than nothing yeah and you're like whatever i'll, I'll keep working and i'll make exactly, more and it'll fun. grow that's right and um i thought you know and i investigated my market here in where I am in the world and put a lot of focus and energy into Southeast Asia because it's in my, it's on my doorstep because of where I am in Perth. Like Singapore is closer to me than Melbourne. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's, you know, on the map. And as a result, I, um, I put a lot of energy into Malaysia, Indonesia and India for marketing. These are also booming, growing places where everyone's getting their mobile phones now. 
you know, and so I thought, oh, this would be great. And I punched a lot of energy. I was on a lot of forums promoting the channel. And then I get demonetized by YouTube because too Spam. high a percentage of my viewers are coming from a red flag country. Wow. And I've got no, that... I've got no recourse. I'll never get those. I, I will never get monetized by YouTube ever again. That's crazy. Oh. You know, it's funny. But they hold uh, the know, screen. They hold the keys to the lock, don't they? What can I do? There's nothing I can do about it. And it knocked in me for six. In the beginning, I started just like liking everything and going on and interacting. And I interact with everyone who writes to me. I interact. I have a couple of people who um, I've had to block because they keep making new ones and they're, they're sure. So I would, I would, you know, like everything. And then they're like, you've liked too many things. And so they would just kind of tamper you down for like 24 hours. But after they changed the name to Meta and all that, everything, everyone has had a weird lull and it's been very weird, you know? So, um, but I, you know, it kind of bounced back up today really quickly. Um, and um, even like my views and my likes, everything kicked up because I'm getting seen more, you know? So luckily I have a pretty loyal following because during that time I was still getting you know, over a thousand likes, but that's like nothing, you know, it's like, you, you need to have that to monetize yourself. And, sure. you know, it's like, I don't care about the likes, but you kind of get into the game of it. And you're like, well, I wanted to match my effort, you know, and, yeah. um, and when it doesn't, you, and, and you see that people are buying their followers or buying their likes and utilizing your name and doing different things like that. That's, that's infuriating because um, you, I've put so much effort into it and, um, I am authentic and I am, I will fight anyone to say that I've broken any rule, you know, but yeah, yeah. it happens. So, mm -hmm. but no, that, that's one of the things that, um, cause I don't do that a lot of the, cause there's some people who do things to get the likes or they, they selling a kind of lifestyle and, you know, and especially the ones that turn around and they go, actually, I'm going to crumb wrap a Lamborghini and there's going to be flumps coming out the exhaust and, I'm going to, you know, have a, a really fancy watch and all of that kind of stuff. And it, it kind of, it hits an algorithm and it hits a certain demographic and then they grow. Um, I've not, I've not found that about the people that I follow and, and I include you in that. And the fact that when um, I send some quip back, you always respond. Yeah. Um, and it's always a, and it's always kind of a, a happy response. It's always, mm -hmm. a, and it's always, even if it's something that, you know, there might be, like you say, someone might have sent you something that's not particularly nice. You kind of gloss over it really quickly. And I, and I like that. It's very positive and it's, a, it's kind of a, it spreads the positivity. And I really like that, um, which is why you come across that way. And I think it's genuine. I think people uh, understand too, I'm not going to tolerate um, bullying on my site. And I think that um, sometimes when there's a girl or I, like I knew when I posted the girl in the GT2 RS today, that there was gonna be commentary. And then I got some commentary. The guy got, I just said, he said, how is she driving that car? And I said, she grabbed the keys and she got in it and then she drove. <laughs> so he, somebody else like liked, liked, liked it. And then, you know, then they go after him and I don't want that. I want it to be, so he actually took it off and I, I felt bad because I don't want people to go and attack him because I said something, you know, or I don't need you to say your car is better than theirs. There sucks. Mm. I hate Lamborghinis or I hate this or whatever. Um, because that's not what it's about. Like uh, my friend and I joke, cause she has a Lamborghini and she loves it. And, and, um, and we're bringing the Porsche and the Lamborghini people together because I was like, 
oh, the Lamborghini people are this way. And he's, she's like, oh, the Porsche people are this way. But now we're realizing, no, we, we're, we just we're all, all have different friends. <laughs> yeah, we're all, but. We're, we're, all, we're all AY. Yeah, I, I think. I think we, we just are all, you know, we all have a passion and we also also respect, like, I'm not a fan of RWB. I'm not a fan of it. And it's, I'm good. I, I shouldn't say that because it's just not my, it's just not my thing, but I respect the people who love it. And I, and, and I don't ever want to judge that because, you know, however they found that for themselves is that that's, you know, and you know, I, I don't even like saying that because it, it, it's just my taste and, and it has nothing to do with uh, being correct, you know? And so I think we should be able to have our opinions and, but also, um, uh, you know, support one another in our passions and, and, uh, and that, that should be it. I don't yeah, know. I, I get that completely. Cause yeah, like you say, we're all allowed our opinions and that's what makes everything interesting. If you all agreed on everything, it'd be really boring. Um, yeah, but, yeah. But as long as you know you respect other people's point of view, that's and that's all it comes yeah. down to. The oh look, we've we've been going for about an hour and a half now, so I think oh let's uh, let's wrap it up and um, really appreciate you coming on and giving us the time today, Larry. It's been some great insight to you know somebody who gets to do and see things that we don't where we live because you live where you live and you know you're surrounded by that lifestyle that a lot of us aspire to. So. Really, it's been great hearing your uh, insight to the challenges as well that you face doing what you do. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it, and I, I love that you know you're representing women and that you're raising women, and that that that's something that you want to um, bring to them because um, they are our future. And you know, we're out here, and 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 I think that when we nurture our our girls to be more than just you know, maids in the kitchen, then, um, you know, we're going to have a much fuller world. And that's the goal that I'm trying to achieve with just my little following and, you know. Fantastic. Laura, well, can, I take a Thanks, can I take a picture of my screen with you on it so I can Instagram it and say this is coming up? Oh, so I have to talk, right? <laughs> yes. 